welcome to the IonHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. Well, here we are again. Welcome to this episode of this podcast is Jinx.com. Oh, all right, really, it's episode 26 of the IonHoops.com podcast. And well, I think we can all really agree that we hope this one remains relevant as this is our Mac tournament preview episode. I mean, let's face it, this entire college hoop season has been a cluster F, and this podcast has reflected that state of affairs quite well. But we're going to be optimistic one final time and hope that we actually see a MAC tournament and we actually see our teams play in it. So given that this is a special episode, the format's going to be a little different. First off, we have no Iona Iotas. We're also ditching the MAC Tide Report. We have no Tide Report needs here. This is a seeded event and the tides don't matter in a tournament setting. And since we haven't played any friggin' games, we have nothing to review. On the flip side, here's a positive change. We're going to have multiple guests. We're going to start off with Iona assistant coach Casey Stanley, who's going to give us a rundown of what the team's been up to the past couple weeks besides riding treadmills in their in their dorm rooms, uh, and uh, to uh, share his thoughts on how uh, prepared both mentally and physically this team is for the tournament coming off another shutdown. Uh, then we're going to welcome in our favorite uh, Mac guy, that's Jaden Daly from Daily Dose of Hoops, uh, to help us look at the other 10 teams in the field and whether it's even possible to project, in particular, this conference tournament, given all the shutdowns and general and even play we've seen from even the better teams in the league. Basically, as Iona and Mac fans, you're going to leave this episode as prepared as you're going to get, given all the insane variables this college of season's had to offer. But before we get into previewing the tournament, I want to update you guys on the podcast schedule for this upcoming week. Right now, I'm targeting following each one of our games with an episode, whether it's following a pig round loss or following our games every step of the way toward our fifth straight tournament tournament championship. Yes, I did say our fifth straight tournament championship. Uh, once the games conclude, I'll be part of the Zoom press conference with Coach Patino and the players, and I'll bring that audio straight to the podcast, which will, which will drop that same night, a half hour to 45 minutes after games end, I would say, maybe a little more, closer to an hour, depending on some things. Um, along the way, I'm going to have some other Iona voices and media members to provide some quick takes as we prepare for the next round's games, if, assuming that Iona has a victory, and if not, a quick wrap-up. Before we dig into the men, though, I want to spend a couple of minutes on the women's side of the bracket. Like the men, the women have endured shutdown after shutdown, and that's both at Iona and the MAC, uh, MAC-wide. So who knows what to expect in that tournament, especially when we don't have that one usual unstoppable force on the women's side that we've, come, we've become so used to the past, I don't know, 20 years or so in the MAC. So let's catch up with the Lady Gales and what's going on with them. Uh, the Lady Gales beat Monmouth twice uh, at Monmouth uh, to conclude the regular season, coming out of their most recent pause. Um, so they are they end the regular season uh, six and eight overall, five and six in conference. That's good enough for the sixth seed, which is really important this year because the Canisius uh, uh, Lady Griffs. Uh, ended their season early due to COVID. So there is no 11 seed, which means there is no 6-11 game, which means the 6 seed gets a bye to the quarterfinals, which aren't even until Thursday. So we'll be watching them closely later in the week. Um, but before that, let's talk about um, the top five seeds on the women's side um, and how um, the the bracket for Iona is actually laid out pretty well. Um, <clears throat> Maris finished first 12-4, Quinnipiac second 11-5, uh, Fairfield and, and Manhattan are the four and five seeds at nine and three. So those are, by record, the four best teams in the league. The three seed is St. Peter's. That's who Iona's playing in the first round. St. Peter's finished 11 and eight. So again, just like the men, the women, of course, seeded by number of wins in conference. So the Iona women actually catch a little bit of a break there by playing, technically speaking, the weakest of the five teams in the first round uh, in, in, in St. Peter's in the quarters. Um and just how they do against St. Peter's, you're wondering. Um, they lost two games in December to St. Peter's. Both were by single digits. So this is a very winnable game for the Lady Gales. Um, and in terms of the other uh, possible matchups they'll have, in the, in the, they did not face Quinnipiac, so that would be a new opponent uh, in the semis if they do advance to that point. 
Um, they played out of the other. They also haven't played Marist, <laughs> so they haven't played either of the top two seeds, top two teams. Um, they did play Fairfield and Manhattan. Um, both again went nine and three in the conference. Um, they went zero and three in games against those teams, but only only uh, but two of those three losses were by single digits. So the Iowa women have been very competitive, even in games that they've fell, fallen short this year. Um, so that's going to be this is the team has potential to do well in this tournament. No, there's no question about it. Again, you know, do they have their legs fully under them? You know, were the two games against Monmouth have enough preparation? Um, it's a lot. You know, they're again they're coming out of another shutdown uh, with very few games played overall, just like the Iona men. You know. Are they are they where they need to be for the tournament? So it's a it's a much a mental battle as it is a physical one for the Lady Gales. During the Mac Media call earlier this week, Coach Billy Chambers talked about how she's mentally preparing the team for the tournament, given all the pauses the program's endured. The biggest message I would say is take it day by day, take it moment by moment, and prioritize your mental health and your self care. Um, this is it's a struggle when you have young you know, young women who are going in and out of quarantine, having the uncertainty of what's going on. And this has never been their experience in their life. Um, you know, we just spend a lot of time talking about how we're feeling, how we can manage it, how we can help each other. Um, I've been really proud of the way they've just been giving suggestions to each other of, I'm reading this book, let me pass it along to you. You know, I listen to this podcast, let me pass it along. And sharing those just messages of, you know, positivity of just fighting through and getting through to the next step and just being resilient. So, you know, we've really focused a lot on that. Obviously, basketball wise, we focused a lot on ourselves. You never know who the next opponent is going to be and you never know if you're going to have that chance to play in that game. So we've talked a lot about the things that we can do differently um, defensively, offensively coming out of our pauses and and areas that we can grow. Um, but the main thing is really just supporting each other, loving on each other and making sure that we're in a good headspace going forward. And now let's flip over to the men's side. First, we should run down the final standings and seeding for the MAC tournament. Uh, Sienna and Monmouth uh, will share the regular season championship each with 12 wins. Yay, let's hang a banner! Um, Sienna gets the one seed based on their early season sweep of Monmouth. Uh, St. Peter's and Marist each finished 10 and 8. St. Peter's is the three seed based on a tiebreaker. Um, Niagara, is, uh, there were four teams finished with seven wins. Niagara, uh, lucky for them, uh, is the is the five seed and gets the bye. Uh, it's doubly important for them because they are also coming off of a pause. So the extra and, and there was actually a question whether they were going to be in this tournament, uh, whether they were going to have you know if they were playing so if they were in say the six eleven game, which is Monday, um, they may not have even been able to play. But now they don't even play till Thursday, I believe. Uh, so anyway, so Niagara gets the five seed, uh, and, and so now going to the play-in round, Canisius is the six seed, Fairfield is the seven seed, uh, Quinnipiac is the eight seed, and then we get to the six team, six win teams, Iona and Manhattan. Uh, of course, they have different big differences in the loss column. Uh, Iona is the nine, Manhattan is the ten, Ryder is the eleven. That leaves us with play-in round of Canisius versus Ryder in the first round. Uh, that is the six eleven game. That is Monday night, um, and then on Tuesday night, uh, um, we'll see uh, I- Iona and Quinnipiac in the five p.m. game uh, in the eight nine game. Fairfield and Manhattan is the seven ten game. That's at seven thirty on Tuesday night. Uh, on Wednesday, we get to the quarterfinals. The first one would be Siena against the Iona Quinnipiac winner. That's at five, and then at seven thirty, we would see Monmouth take on the Fairfield Manhattan winner. Um, and then on th- on uh, Thursday in the quarterfinals, uh, St. Peter's is going to take on uh, the winner of Canisius Ryder. So the w- the Canisius Ryder winner actually gets two days off getting ready for St. Peter's. Uh, and then um, the other quarterfinal is Marist and Niagara. Um, the Max semis are on, on Friday. And uh, I believe those games are 6 and 8.30 or something like that. Um, and then Saturday, uh, Saturday is the finals at four. And in terms of TV coverage, uh, all the games uh, the, for the uh, playing round and quarterfinals are on ESPN plus uh, the semis are on ESPN news, which is probably also on ESPN plus and ESPN three. If you don't have ESPN news uh, and then the finals is on ESPN U. 
Okay, let's take a couple minutes and talk about Iona Quinnipiac. Um, it's it's um, an interesting matchup that in that the teams met once during the season, and Quinnipiac posted a 74-70 win against Iona in Hamden about three weeks ago or so. Iona didn't play particularly poorly in the game. Statistically, it was a pretty even game. The numbers weren't bad. Um, Dylan Van Eyck had a rough game, but I don't think he was feeling up to himself. I think he uh, uh, still coming off his injury uh, in that one a bit. Um, energy level was low for him. Uh, Asante Giz did not shoot the ball, ball well that night. Uh, and Tyrese Williams, who uh, averages about seven points a game, decided to score 21 for Quinnipiac. Nobody else really went off for the Bobcats in that game. So um, it'll be interesting to see the adjustments the teams make this time around. Um, 74 is a, is a, a, a good amount for, for Iona to give up. I'm sure Tino wasn't happy with that number, so I expect to see a little bit different on the defensive end. And again, Iona wasn't at their best. Ross at 18. I think Nelly had 10 or so, but you know, Iona didn't scorch the nets. They didn't play a bad offensive game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the rematch. I, I expect Iona's energy to be good, but again, this one's all, you know, and this one, especially because it's the first one back after the pause is really about the mental aspect of it. Um, and, and I, you know, you can talk about the ability of the players and all of that, you know, another pause, another mental war that the Iona staff has to deal with in getting these guys ready now to in, for this tournament. Earlier this week, I was in a press conference for the MAC uh, and asked, I had a chance to ask Coach Patino about mentally preparing these guys for the tournament and also about some rotational questions in terms of how much depth we ex- could, could expect to see. Next up, we have Guy. Uh, hey, Coach. Um, I just wanted to ask him, you, you gave the team a great speech before the Monmouth Games about, hey, we can make all the excuses in the world. Let's just make our own, make this special on our own. Um are you going with the same approach going into this tournament? Well, the tournament's different. You know, I handled tournaments a lot different than, than regular season games. Uh, you know, I've been through, uh, I've been through the SEC tournaments, uh, wars throughout the years. I've been through Conference USA. I've been through the AAC. Um, I've been through, obviously, the ACC, the Big East. And those wars are... I remember we we went back to back the last two Big East tournaments played, and that was a great honor. So the tournaments are different. I handle the tournaments a lot different, motivational, planning wise, scouting wise. But uh, we'll see going into this. Uh, I want to first see we're back to practice today. I want to see what we have, what type of shape we're in, and and what let's get the guys in shape before we do anything. Any other thoughts going forward? And uh, I know game situation will dictate uh, how many guys you actually use, but do you feel like you're going to go with a shorter rotation because you want to kind of survive in advance, or do you think you'll we'll see 12, 13 guys like we saw against Mammoth? I, I think you'll see more than less because we'll, we won't be in great shape. Let's welcome Casey Stanley, I own assistant coach, to uh, our program now and continue to delve into the mental aspect of preparing for tournament play. Let's welcome in Casey Stanley to talk to us as we get ready for the MAC tournament. Well, I don't even know how to start this, given the insane scenarios that you guys have had to deal with, that the fans have had to deal with, the players have had to deal with, the leagues had to deal with. Um, so I'm just going to jump right in. How's the team's mental state and physical state even as you get ready to enter the tournament? Honestly, it cannot be understated. And I don't know if you ever read my Twitter, but I, I always make a point of of tweeting out how tough this is for you know, not just our guys, all, all college athletes in general to go through the season. And, and it can't be underestimated, um, you know, the mental toll, the physical toll of, of stopping and starting and ramping up again and, you know, basically being totally inactive for two weeks and then trying to start to play a game and then opponents change. And then you start preparing for one team and the opponent changes. And then, you know, you have a good practice and then all of a sudden you're going back in for two weeks. Um, you know, it's, it's different because a lot of people in a lot of fields can kind of isolate themselves and, you know, okay, I'm gonna stay in my bubble and I'm a quarantine. I'm gonna work from home. But unfortunately the nature of sports is you've got to be out and you've got to be active and you got to be around a large group of people. 
Um, and, and as a result, you know, I, this is some of the stuff our guys have had to go through this year, you know, is totally unpredictable, unexpected, you know, and, and I, I find it too, you know, like, like you look at, at results and games around the country and, and, and it's, you see, Oh, how did this team lose to this team or, or what? And because you honestly, you have no idea what's going on in, in, in that locker room. You have no idea what's going on with those kids. So, you know, I, I not only um, admire and respect our guys even more for everything they've gone through this year, but, but everyone throughout the country. And, and it's just a, a shared experience that everybody in, in the college basketball world and, and college athletics are, are going through together. Hmm. Um, when you have a situation like this uh, and coming off of what happened last March in New Rochelle, uh, when you have a, a Hall of Famer replacing a legend, expectations go through the roof. Now, I'm as diehard as anybody. But when I see what you guys have gone through and I know how much practice time has been lost and injuries and all of that, as a fan, I'm, I, my expectations are, are calmed going into this week. You know, obviously I want us to win and all that, but it's almost like, well, I almost kind of tying it into what uh, Coach Patino was telling the kids before the Monmouthers, which I loved, that, hey, you guys have all these excuses you can make for losing, but why not just rewrite that story? Um, and I'm, I love that. At the same time, as a fan, I can say, hey, well, you know, I understand if we don't win. Um, so I guess I want to see what you're also a fan of sports. I mean, you follow the teams. Is, is what, what I'm thinking a fair take or do you think absolutely not? We expect to win. We're going into this with no excuses. We're going to go win this thing. You know, we're, we're preparing to win, obviously, and, and we're doing everything in our powers to get our guys mentally ready. Um, in, in the heart of competition, are we thinking, you know, tie game two minutes ago, Hey, you know, if this doesn't go well, we don't, ah, well, we, we have, we're not thinking of excuses in the moment. Um, and, and we are training our, our guys and advising our guys not to think of excuses, but you know, it, the, the, the truth is, you know, like the writings on the wall that we have been put you know, behind the eight ball on, on a lot of things. And, and so have a lot of programs too. I mean, like you look at Baylor, Baylor lost a game this week and basically when asked after the game, coach drew why they lost, it's like, well, we've missed 10 days of practice and, you know, you can't help but laugh. And, and when you start there and try to add up, okay, all the days of practice we've lost, mm -hmm. um, you know, but again, we're not using that as an excuse. We're, we're preparing to, to, go and, 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 and give it our best effort. And our guys are as focused as they've ever been. And, you know, when we get out of pause, we're going to be super excited to do it and ready to compete and, and hopefully win a max championship. In a strange way, does it take the pressure off though? Because you know, and it is fair to say if this, when the season's over, let's say you guys don't win to say, well, you know, we know there's a bunch of reasons why we didn't, you know, is, is it, does it take expectations off? Does it almost make you guys more relaxed? You know, I, I wouldn't think so just because, you know, we're all competitors and, and we all work towards this and everybody's facing the same challenges. So so I, I think, you know, we're going to be really hard on ourselves and, and that's the only way you can be successful, you know, in my eyes. So I, I don't think it's going to take the edge off. I don't think it's going to going to relax us anymore. I, I think uh, the, the, the most relaxing thing going into any situation in life is when you are most prepared. So, you know, the, the most prepared we can be in the amount of practices we have to get ready to go to Atlantic City, then, then that will relax us when we feel like we're prepared. Hmm. You know, every year, Mac fans and even some media members will say, oh, the Mac tournament's wide open. I've never really believed it fully. I always felt like three or four teams could win it. This year, because of all these extra little variables, I do feel like there are seven or so teams that if things fall right, they can win this thing. Um, do you almost feel like this tournament is, is more so about the mental aspect than about the physical more so this year than maybe other years? You know, there's a bunch of good coaches in this league. There's a bunch of really talented teams. Um, I've, I've there, there's, it's so weird to me because I'm looking at, at different scouts and different opponents we could play. And some of them we haven't even faced this year. Yeah. So, I mean, how many times do you go into a conference tournament and, and there's about three or four teams that, that you don't even know. Like, to be honest, like we're looking at all Mac ballots this week 
And I'm like, like looking up like, oh, who, who is that? Because we haven't seen them in person. Okay. They've, we, we've just heard rumors that, that, that some of these schools exist, um, you know? So like it, it is definitely a unique situation um, and, and it will uh, probably lead to, to, you know, some crazy scenarios and crazy endings. And the, the only way I'm going to correct you is I think there are 11 teams that are capable of winning this thing. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, all right, well, you brought up their teams you haven't played yet advantage or disadvantage obviously it's a little bit of both but perfect scenario you'd rather have two games of tape right yeah um, i mean it, it works both ways because they don't have tape of us as well right. you know they don't have they don't have that experience as, as well so you know it's just I, I do agree that the mental aspect of, of whatever team becomes most physical uh, comes most mentally and physically prepared um, for the tournament is going to have advantage. Um, whatever team, you know, is, is, is focused, um, you know, is going to have the advantage. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, for, for example, we lose two games, the um, Manhattan and Quinnipiac right before we go into pause, but then we, we, we take both from Monmouth. It just, you know, what, whatever team's ready to go. And that's, that's part of the conditioning thing as well. I mean, like it took, we played well the first game against Manhattan and then the next two games, that's when the legs really started to hit. You know, when you play, you know, Friday, okay, we, we came back, we played decently. And then Saturday and the next Wednesday, you're a little bit beaten up, you know, and it, it just, that shows it, it, to me, it takes about three or four weeks to get in shape from something like this. Mm. Well, that's actually leads to my next question. Um, the one thing that we saw against Mammoth that we didn't really see before that was suddenly we had death. We were able to go 12 guys in there, 13 even, um, now, game situations obviously dictate how many guys go in, substitutions, pattern, all that. Knock on wood, no injuries, no major foul trouble. Do you think Coach Patino is going to shorten the rotation, especially in these maybe the, f- the first game, just to ensure that you guys are advancing? Or do you think he's going to go ahead and play 12? You know, co- part of Coach's goal is always he wants to play a lot of guys. He wants to get up and down. If we're going to defend um, the, the way Coach expects them to defend, he's going to have to play a lot of guys. Um and if we're going to have to play fast offensively, like Coach Patino expects, we're going to have to play a lot of guys. And, you know, also, like I said, just added the, the shortened preparation time. I mean, we, we won't know this week until we see exactly how bad some of our, our guys are conditioning right now. I, I just I, I'm very excited to get out of quarantine is really what <laughs> what I'm rooting for at this point. Um, last question, and I will stick into basketball here. I'm going to assume that there's some wrinkles that Coach Patino's kind of had in his back pocket all year that he's kind of saved up. Fair to say that? Uh, I mean, there there are things like we talked about with the shortened practice, not even yeah. wrinkles, like standard things that we've not really had the chance to emphasize or go over just because we're so shortened on time. And, you know, it's, it's tough when you um, – you know, just get out of quarantine, just to, to come and introduce new things. You kind of want to hone the things that you, that got you, that make you successful as a team and, and, and continue to build on your weaknesses. So, I mean, I, I honestly, I've not talked to coach about any new plans, but I mean, we definitely, um, we, we definitely have to build off what we were doing before we, this latest pause. Mm. Okay. Well, of course we're all pumped here. Uh, March is the best month of year. Anyway, we all know that. And here in New Rochelle, it's just become, it's it just comes with so much, fun from a fan perspective for so long now we're so used to winning it's uh almost you know ex- expected but this year has even more of a special meaning um i'm going to ask you um because of everything that's happened this year how special would it be to come away and cut away the net cut down the nets at the end of this winning is is always special and and iona has been extremely fortunate just uh, not obviously my my history my tradition with with the school but following from afar you know what what tim Clouse was able to do is outstanding um you know he 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 caught magic several times you know and had great tournament runs even when some people didn't necessarily expect him to have a tournament run so we're we're hoping to catch that magic but winning should never be taken for granted um it should never um be expected and 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 there's so much that goes into just winning one single basketball game that putting putting four together uh over a great weekend um you know is is that that's something that that never gets uh old and that's that's why we do this and why we get up every day um, and, and why, um, why the, like the players have put themselves through 
so many hoops this year be, just to get this feeling. So I, I know they're going to be jumping, jumping off the walls when we get to Atlantic City. So hopefully we, uh, we get a long uh, stay there and, and get to experience something special. Awesome. Uh, we wish you guys the best and go cut down those nets. My, one of my favorite memories as, as a young kid growing up is, is, is the group of fans that always used to travel uh, around with Iona to the MAC tournament and and to the NCAA tournament and and just the the excitement of being around the hotel with 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 a common group of, of people that all want the same thing and making signs for for ESPN. So uh, you know that's that's something that I hope uh, to to witness and maybe I'll, I'll come down to the lobby and, and and make some signs just to just to keep the uh, you know the old tradition alive. So go cut down those nets and uh, good luck to you guys this week. Have fun. I right, appreciate it, guy. Thanks. Hey, yep. And now let's bring in Jaden Daly to help us preview the MAC tournament. So Jaden Daly must be one of the busiest guys in the game right now with conference tournament preview season going strong. Jaden, if I started out asking you to tell me who's going to win this thing for the MAC tournament. You pretty much can just throw about seven or eight Mac schools in a hat and just draw one and make a legitimate case for them, right? Yeah, pretty much, guy. And you you couldn't have said it any better right now with everything that's gone on. And I'll, I'll tell you this much. It's typical Mac. You just throw something at the wall and pray that it sticks. How many times have we done that over the years? <laughs> it, yeah. it can make, you can make a case for half the lead. You really can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, earlier in the episode, I had I own assistant Casey Stanley on and we talked about how this tournament is as much about the mental aspect of getting your team together, especially off another pause or trying to find a level of consistency in your play because everybody seems to be pretty up and down. You know, again, with everybody really not in March form because everybody's kind of had a shutdown or fewer games than they normally would have. You know, some, some teams look like they're still trying to figure out lineups on the fly a little bit. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, and you know, sometimes being on a pause isn't an excuse. I know last last night, Saturday night, at the Big East tournament on the women's side, Seton Hall lost to Creighton, and Tony Bazella didn't, a good friend of ours, didn't want to make an excuse with that, saying everybody's had pauses. It just comes down to who wants it more, and in a way, he's right with that. And some schools on the men's side are, are tinkering with lineups, you see. Quinnipiac has made some changes in recent weeks, putting Louis Court right in the starting lineup over Savion Lewis. And you can see the difference that it's made for Baker Dunleavy and his team. Sienna's getting Jalen Pickett back, but Jackson Stormo has become a starter over Kyle Young. Iona has tinkered with its starting five. I think the only two that have had a stable starting unit right now from what I've seen are Monmouth and Manhattan. And even Monmouth has experimented with Nick Ruddy starting at the five in some yep. games too. So it, it can be matchup based and still trying to figure out who's in better shape. But at, at the end of the day, you work, you work, you work with what brought you to the dance. Right. I, I believe that. And that takes me to my next point. You see, what's interesting to me is that even with all that, you have Mac teams with solid identities in place. You generally know what you're going to get from them. Mom, going to try to run you out of the gym and outscore you. Sienna's going to pick it and roll you until the cows come home. Sorry to turn a phrase like that to talking about Sienna about cows. Um, Mar- <laughs> Maris is going to dun you. Uh, you know, Shaw's going to grind you and then give his best players a chance to beat you late. But with Iona, I think this is a team that really was still working on its identity, given all the shutdowns. You know, against Monmouth, we saw what Patino wants them to be, a deep team that's going to run you out of the gym and defend the hell out of you. But just the two games before we saw that, you know, was an Iona team struggling to half court against Manhattan and Quinnipiac and let two teams not known for their offense shoot well against them, put up in the 70s on them. And now we have another two weeks off yet. So I have no clue to expect that from Iona. Do you have a guess? I don't either. It, it depends on which Iona shows up and who the Gales are fortunate enough to draw. The Quinnipiac game can go either way. I could see something in the 70s like we saw the one, the one game in Hamden, the, the only single game of the entire match season between any two schools. But at the same time, I can also see, you know, a f- – low low to mid 50s high 
high fifties, low sixties kind of game, like a John Dunn special. And we'll probably get into Dunn a little later on in, in the episode, but I'll tell you this, it, it depends on how Iona comes out in the first few minutes. If they're hitting shots, the score is going to go up. If they're struggling and, and can't get an open look, it's going to be more of a physical knockdown drag out game. And I do think Quinnipiac has more of a shot than a lot of people are giving them. I, I can see a lot of people just riding Iona because of Patino and as much of an intangible as that is, you, you can't ignore the fact that Iona has a very difficult draw in its half of the bracket. You get past Quinnipiac, and then you got to worry about Siena. Yeah, but well, let's take a closer look at each side of the bracket, and we'll start with Iona's side since you, we just kind of started there. Um, we talk about the gals in Quinnipiac, and it's interesting because of Iona coming off shutdown again. Um, that one number one because of the shutdown, and two, the Bobcats just beat the gals three weeks ago in Handem, seventy four seventy. Um, just taking a quick, quick look at that box, uh, Tyrese Williams had an abnormal day lighting up for Iona, uh, lighting up 21 points, which is only 14 above his normal average. Um, nobody really uh, went off for Quinnipiac other than that. And for Iona, you know, Gist didn't have the greatest game. But more importantly, in my mind, Dylan Van Eyck wasn't himself. In fact, only played 22 minutes. Um, some Iona fans have noticed, and I have as well, that as Dylan goes, Iona goes. Um, from what you see, do you agree with all of that? Yeah, I haven't even paid much attention to what Van Eyck has done, to be honest with you. I thought it was more of as Isaiah Ross goes, so too does Iona. But you look at Van Eyck, and he's in, the, in or around the top 10 in rebounding all year. He's a very competent passer for his size and his position. And Catino said at the start of the year that he was probably the one guy who understood what this team was trying to run offensively, and he has used that to his advantage. I've spoken to Dylan several times over the course of the year, and he, he's even said that this system is more beneficial to his game. And when he's firing on all cylinders, you do see a difference in Iona. And and going back to Quinnipiac, I agree. It's you know everybody's kind of already pushing Iona up. You know, let's get that game against Siena going. But th- that's a dangerous game. I mean, they're an interesting team. They're they're been inconsistent, but who in the MAC isn't? You know, I've seen a, I've seen a f- quite a few of their games actually this year, and I think the one guy you really can't let go off is Ragoni. Uh, he's improved his all around game too, which I've noticed, and he can handle a little bit now, uh, so he can score different ways. Iona did a nice job on him last time. Um, I'm a, I, I'd have to go back and look at the video. I don't know if it's even on uh, ESPN's app anymore, but I imagine that we had uh, Barrick Jean Louis on him last time, and I imagine we'll see a bit of that again. Um, but, you know, talk a little bit about Quinnipiac, um, the challenges they present. Quinnipiac's an, an interesting team, and Baker Dunleavy runs the four-out, one-in offense that Jay Wright honed the perfection of Villanova. You're going to see Jacob Bergoni potentially at the five in some instances, which could be matchup problems for both sides. I think the biggest key is going to be what Seth Pinkney does against Nelly Joseph inside. Nelly's going to have his hands full dealing with a seven-footer. It's not something you see every day in this conference. And you have to worry about him and Osborne Shima, whether or not he's in good shape. I do think the two of them will be used interchangeably. We might see a little more Dwayne Caroma going up against Pinkney and going up against Rigoni if he's going more inside as opposed to spacing out the floor and stretching on the perimeter. And Taimu Chenery and Isaiah Ross could easily get into a, a battle of the threes. Those two can shoot night and day, and it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if if we saw that. Courtright and Asante Gister, also very competent ball handlers. I think Quinnipiac's guard depth is going to be the biggest key. Courtright and Lewis against Gist and Myers, and Gist hasn't been healthy all year. Quinnipiac's guards are going to win or lose this game for the Bobcats. If they can handle Iona and then wear a weakened Gale's backcourt down. I like Quinnipiac's chances here. I really do. Um, I just want to say I, I actually included the talk about it in there because I know it's a pet peeve of yours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you heard me it. in a few press conferences. I never say that. Uh, so I was, no, wasn't sure if you were going to pick up on that or not. Uh, anyway. Uh, so hey, just, for the, my head. <laughs> just for the fun of it, let's assume my owner survives the Bobcats. We then have mm-hmm. a Typical ho-hum Mac quarterfinal game between a couple teams with no real identity or tradition. I own in Siena. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess I, you know, well, again, we'll, I, I don't want to certainly go past Quinnipiac and we'll talk 
more about uh, uh, what certainly we'll get into Iona Siena as uh, you know, if that game does come to fruition, but um, I, I mean, my feeling is that the, this is a global thing here, the survivor of Iona Siena or oh, to be fair to Quinnipiac, whoever comes out of that little sub bracket, I think is going to win the tournament. I, I can see that. I, I could, I could see that it, I do think the winner more than likely comes out of that side of the bracket. I won't, I won't commit to one at this present moment, but I do think the winner, the winner comes out of that side of the bracket. And I could easily see it being the winner of that game. Certainly I own and Santa fans are not happy about seeing each other this early, but beyond the fan bases, lots of folks, I think are disappointed. This game is happening as a quarterfinals. Of course, many believe these are, two best teams in a league. Um, I think that may be an overstatement about Iona more so than Siena because we don't know where Iona is at the moment, but that aside, in my view, Siena is clearly the favorite to win this whole thing, especially since Jalen Pickett seems like Jalen Pickett again, he's hundred percent mentally and physically right now. I mean, even though Siena just lost to Canisius anyway, he was himself. And that means in just about every game Siena will play, they're going to have, probably the two best players on the floor. And that's usually a good formula to win tournament games. It just seems like they're going to be awfully tough for anyone to beat in this thing. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Sienna, even though Canisius beat them in the last game of the year and did me a favor because I didn't have to worry about, I own a plane in Manhattan and maxed out my coverage on one, on one day, Tuesday, but Sienna does look like the best team in the conference right now. Bar none, Manny Camper should be the player of the year in the league. You, you could make a case for Casey Nadefo, and rightfully so, and he'll probably end up finishing second in the voting to Camper. But what Camper has done for that team, especially with Pickett being out and then not himself for the majority of the year, and you look at where he came from too, Guy. This is a, a player that when he was a freshman, the Siena fans were killing Jimmy Patsos for not playing him enough. And now here he is, the player of the year, three years later. And you look at what else Sienna has. You look at Jordan King, who's probably going to be an all-conference start. I, I could see him on the third team, maybe the second, depending on how the coaches want to reward Sienna. You look at Kyle Young. You look at Stormo. You look at Nick Hopkins, who's injured. Sienna has depth. Sienna has pieces. And that always, almost always, wins you games in, in this tournament this time of year. So let's talk Sienna away a moment. Look, another Sienna pun. Um, and just say for the record that whoever of Sienna, Iona, and Quinnipiac gets to the semis, they're going to have a very interesting opponent waiting for them because that 4-5 game is really interesting because you have an Niagara team that desperately, desperately needed this bye to even participate in the tournament, I feel like. Uh, and mm -hmm. they're taking on a Maris team coached by one of your favorites, John Dunn. Uh, the Foxes have the feel of one of Dunn's stronger St. Peter's teams right now. No superstar on offense, but a defense that's going to make you work your tail off. Thoughts on that game? Absolutely. And I, I see a lot of 2011 right now when I'm looking at this bracket. And John Dunn was the fourth seed with St. Peter's when they won it in Bridgeport the year before I started covering the league and beat him in the, in the championship after taking Fairfield out in the semis. I, I could see something like that happen in the end especially with you don't know what you're going to get out of Niagara coming back off a of pause. And I, I guess I'm clairvoyant when I asked Fred Paulus on the call last week, if he could survive the chaos behind him, what it would mean for Niagara to get a buy. Even a broken clock is right twice a day, as far as that's concerned, but that Maris Niagara game is going to be in the fifties and it's going to be a war. And whoever wins that game goes up against a team. If it's Siena, that, both of them beat during the regular season, or if it's Iona or Quinnipiac, teams that are going to give them problems one way or the other. You don't know what to expect. You really don't. Uh, I want to go back to her, my that little sub bracket of Iona, Siena, Quinnipiac for a moment too. Um, I think if Iona survives, like I said, I think whoever comes out of that little sub bracket, and I'm really not referring to Quinnipiac as much as I am Iona or Siena, but I, I do think whoever wins, who comes out of that little sub bracket is going to win the whole thing. But sticking on the Iona angle, since this is an Ionahoops.com podcast, um, it'll be interesting because if Iona survives, they do get a day off, which I think will help them immensely. Absolutely. And again, if it's, if it's certainly, you know, if it's Marist or Niagara at that point, um, 
it's like all those same scenarios. You, you can see, you know, a, a done special happening, but Niagara might just have some juice in the tank, you know, from being off and they might respond very well to being off. And that could be uh, another variable. And Iona's depth is going to be tested a lot. Uh, we saw the depth come out against Monmouth and it was the first time that Patino went deep all year. And, and I think he kind of did it because he needed to see what he, well, for two reasons. One, he wants to see what he has next year. And two, because he kind of had no choice. He needs to, to do what he wants to do in his system. So he just started drawing guys out there and whatever happens, happens. It just so happens that guys like Ryan Myers played extremely well. Uh, uh, Talik Chavez had some good moments. Of course, Osborne Shima uh, playing well. Cashaw is playing well. So they're much deeper, which actually gives me some uh, more faith than I would have had, uh, even if surviving Siena, just having the legs to go with a couple more games. Um, now, again, we don't know if that depth's going to be there. Um, you know, but... I think, I mean, do you, do you, do you agree that that, that question aside, that if Iona can get over that hump, you know, that they'll have enough to get, to get through another two more games. I think they're playing with house money after they, if they get past Sienna and then it, it becomes a question then of whether or not you have tired legs on Friday or Saturday. I do think, as you said, the day off between Wednesday and Friday, should it happen, will be very advantageous to this team in terms of just keeping them rested and keeping them in, in optimal shape. But you just got to get past Tuesday first and worry about Wednesday. Patino said he wanted to play it one game at a time. I do think if you get past Wednesday, you're playing with house money Friday and you just let the chips fall where they may. And I, you know, you heard me ask Patino during the, uh, the uh, Mac media call. And I asked Casey Stanley the same thing about <clears throat> whether they're going to, you know, maybe shorten the rotation a la Tim Kloos would, uh, you know, you, you, Tim would play 10 guys for most of the year, but then you'd see like seven <laughs> really out there out for the Mac tournament. You know, do we see something like that? Or do we see Patino continue to go 10, 11, 12 deep? And they both seem to indicate we're going to have to, we have to play everybody and just, ride them and see what happens. So it'll be fun to see how the guys respond and um, in that regard, and it'll be exciting for sure. Um, all right. So let's go to the other side of the bracket. Cause there's a lot of fun over there too. <laughs> and that's putting it mildly. I mean, there's um, you know, we start the play in round with a couple intriguing games, six seed Canisius, 11 seed rider on Monday, seven seed Fairfield versus 10 seed Manhattan. And literally round three, given the little spat that they had there on to, uh, in their last game, um, uh, so I'm going to start by saying this, the term sleeper based on seed is kind of thrown out this year with Iona as the nine. But if you ask me for a play in round team that can win this whole thing, besides Iona, I would say it's Canisius. Um, I would not be shocked in the least to see the Griffs make a run to the finals. I think they're that good at the very least. What a quarterfinal that would be, uh, with St. Peter's taking on a Canisius team that would have two days of rest. Uh, two days of rest because they play Monday and they wouldn't play again until Thursday. So they have plenty of time to rest and prepare for St. Peter's. And it's an issue team that swept St. Peter's too. I'm totally with you on the Griffs. And I thought I was the only crazy one at the start of the year who said that this team will win more games than it will lose. And Reggie Witherspoon always gets a supporting cast to improve year after year. This is no exception. There's not a, a dominant star we all thought at the start of the year, Majesty Brandon would lead the team in scoring, but Malik Green has taken on more of a role. Amadou Fofana has really impressed me as the guy who replaced Malik Johnson, which is not easy to do, replaced a four-year starting point guard, but he's been very consistent. And you have your rotation pieces. You have Jordan Henderson, Jelani White, Scott Hitch, and guys like that. Canisius is deep, and Canisius can really catch a team off guard of, I'm not too concerned about the Ryder game. I, I think Canisius wins that one on talent. Now watch Ryder go out and win by 15 and Murray and Powell <laughs> shoot 10 threes between the two of them. But I like Canisius, especially against St. Peter's, a team that they swept in Buffalo. St. Peter's is going to look to grind it out. Canisius has the, the resources to match that. I, I can see it being a game in the 60s and a game that the, the further it gets – on the scoreboard, the more it plays in the Griff's hands. And the one thing I'm worried about with Canisius is Monmouth, because Monmouth is clearly a better team, ran them off the floor both times they played them right after Christmas. Monmouth, though, if Monmouth plays Fairfield in the quarters, it wouldn't shock me if Fairfield won. You know, Fairfield has a tendency to 
sneak up on people and surprise them at least once. And I don't know about Fairfield against Manhattan. Mastiello usually always gets the better of everybody in the tournament. So could go either way. Manhattan and Monmouth played pretty close. Yeah, that's an interesting side of the bracket too. And and I was going to go to Fairfield Monmouth, uh, sorry, uh, Fairfield Manhattan uh, uh, next as well. I, you know, I just, uh, I'm again, I've now we've, I own a split with both of these teams. Um, I felt like, you know, Monmouth, uh, sorry, geez, that's twice I did that. Manhattan did that more to Iona in that second meeting. Whereas I think Iona just played like garbage in the second meeting against Fairfield. Um, and I'm curious to see what Steve Maziello does against Fairfield. I mean, obviously both they're, they're pretty equal teams. Um, they traded one kind of one-sided victories there to end the season. Um, I do think, I just feel like Manhattan's a little better. Um, and I think they're going to find a way. The question is, you know, can, can he, can Maziello get away with using all his depth, not having to press a lot, you know, just trying to find a way to get by without doing all that so that when they play Monmouth, they can, he can let the horses just go and just see what happens. Uh, Cause that, that would be, I think the only way that they could, they could beat a Monmouth would be to just turn them over far more than they're used to. I mean, Monmouth's fine running, but you know, Manhattan does tend to make you get sloppy. So it would be interesting if if Mon if Manhattan can stay uh, find a way to be kind of fresh for that game, uh, it'll be it would be interesting. And uh, you know I'm not as big a believer in Fairfield, um, so I want to ask you more. Why, why do you have confidence in Fairfield? Because every year, no matter who the coach or the players are, Fairfield's able to get a shooter that torches Manhattan because Massiello leaves the wing wide open. And it was Jake Wojcik in the last game who went off for 28. We've, we've seen it be numerous people. Wojcik, Marcus Gilbert, Tyler Nelson, Curtis Cobb when he went for 46. If Landon Taliaferro, if Fairfield can get open threes and beat the Manhattan zone, you're going to have, your, have a good night against Manhattan because the shooting woes are just too present for this team. The fouling always comes back to bite them more often than not. But for Manhattan, the thing that Massiello should do is try to throw it into the post to Warren Williams more often because Manhattan has the established size advantage against Zach Chrysler, and we don't even know if he'll be available, Supreme Cook. I think I know your answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So that, that side of the bracket, you're going to, let's say Monmouth survives against Manhattan uh, or Fairfield, and I think they will. Um so then you have this the St. Peter's Kanisha survivor in the semis. Who do I say as a dark horse coming out of that whole bracket, getting to the finals? I'm going to go with Canisius. Who you got? I have to. I have to say Monmouth. I I'm. I want to see what Canisius does against Monmouth first, but I have. To, I have to take the Hawks here. Okay. Um, well, I want to ask another question now. Again, the whole the one variable we haven't talked about yet is COVID. Um, you know, there's, I mean, these teams are all going to be tested every day. And uh, I guess now it, as today goes on, the, the bracket officially locked. I think it was going on early uh, into, from yesterday and into early part of today where Enser said during the Mac call that, uh, um, you know, if say Niagara, they're not going to, but say they had to drop out, everybody would be bumped up a seat. I think we're kind of closing the door on that now. And we're getting to the point where if somebody can't play, it's locked. And that that team just advances. Um, what what all of a sudden that advantage, especially if it's somebody in in the playing round that gets to advance without playing a game. Um, how does that change the dynamic of this tournament? If say a team has to go out, like say God forbid Quinnipiac, you know, has to forfeit, and Iona gets to go against Siena fresh. Um, that hurts Iona, I think, because your your first game into the fire is against Siena, but. If Niagara were to, to have to drop out, God forbid, you figure everybody else moves up, then Canisius gets hurt because they have to go against John Dunn first time out. Then Fairfield-St. Peter's is going to be an interesting game. I think that would benefit the Stags more than anything. Quinnipiac is no match for Monmouth. I, I think it plays more into the top seed's hands, to be honest with you, Guy. I really do. Hmm. Okay. Um, and I'll ask you something I asked uh, Casey Stanley as well. Um, we, we have a situation, this is rare, where we have a situation where we have teams who haven't even seen each other yet, and now they're going to be thrown against each other in the MAC tournament at some point. Um, I asked Casey. He's a rider tomorrow. 
there you go. I, and I've, I asked Casey, is it advantage, more of an advantage or disadvantage? Obviously, it's a little bit of both. They neither you don't have tape on them, but they don't have tape on you. In your mind, who like which one team would benefit the most from having not been seen by their opponent? Hmm. I probably have to say Canisius because in the limited sample size we got from the Griffs, this is a team that that could score with anybody and adapt to a defensive style. You'd, if if Canisius takes on and you're going to see it Monday night against Ryder, you could you could see a game in the 80s, or if, if Ryder's not shooting, you could see a game in the 60s. And the same could be said if Canisius were to play Iona or Manhattan. I I think that. The chameleon type stylings of this group makes them so loaded, so, such a sleeper in this in this tournament this week, guy. I I think it plays more into their hands than anybody else. You could make a case for Sienna, but everybody knows what they're all about with Camper and Pickett. But Kanisha's probably one team that nobody really knows, and you get that advantage from being in Buffalo, where the rest of the league is six hours away from you. I think Canisius is the biggest beneficiary there. You know what? That's what I was going to say. I agree with you hundred percent. They they're complicated on offense. They run a lot of backdoor stuff. They shoot a lot of mid range jumpers. They're not as reliant on the three um, and on defense. Mm-hmm. Their, their press is deceptive. Nobody thinks of Canisius as a pressing team and they just messed up Sienna. I mean, they, they were, they were turning them yeah. over left and right. And that's a without, without Yako Fritz too. Without Yako Fritz and with picket healthy and on his game. They were still made a Sienna team that usually values the ball pretty well, pretty look pretty sloppy. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree. If you don't know Canisius, that's that's a that's a tough draw. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. So well, you know, kind of know my bracket. I kind of have a feeling I know yours. Uh, uh, and um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Um, I just want to know for everybody too. If you're not sick of uh, Jane and I bantering about Mac tournament stuff, uh, we're both recruited to be part of a roundtable discussion as part of the Monmouth Fan Podcast. Uh, Ryan and Mark put together a great group of people to share insights and opinions, and I know I'm going to be listening to that again on the way down to Atlantic City on Tuesday. Um, Jaden, we appreciate you taking a few minutes. I know this is your busiest time of year, uh, so we uh, appreciate you coming on and helping us preview the tournament. Um, should Iona find ways to survive this week in advance? We're going to be in touch during this week. Absolutely, guy. My pleasure. Have a safe trip, Tasty. Thanks, man. COVID or no COVID, this is the most special time of year for sports fans, especially idiots like me who obsess over the MAC conference and Iona basketball. Uh, and though we're not all there in person, I'm extremely happy that we will have a MAC tournament this year as Iona goes for its fifth straight tournament championship. Good luck, Gales. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com and its publisher Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any future guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.